Welcome to the summit of Mentor Mountain, everybody. My name is Cole Tanner, and I am your host. And today, our guest, the introduction actually, actually takes us back eight years ago. When I was selling rock chip repair for people's windshields, I was going business to business. I'd walk into people's businesses, and I would say, hey, does anyone want their rock chips and their windshield repaired while they're working? And that's how I made money back then. And it was a cool experience because I got to see the insides of a lot of people's businesses, just kind of get a sneak peek at their operations. And there's one business in particular where I walked in and everybody was just so happy to be there. It was like a completely different world. At that point, I had seen hundreds of businesses and I'd never seen anything like it. So today... We have the, the co-founder and CEO of that business. It's Victig. It's a background check company. And his name is Matt Visser. And the conversation starts off by us talking about how to plant a culture within your company. I hope you enjoy. How you plant a culture is you, you've got to have an element of authenticity to it. I mean, mm. I think like a lot of companies, they try they have this idea that we want to have a cool culture. And so then they go and buy like foosball tables and, um, you know, have an Xbox room and a, like, you know, whatever, like ping pong table. And that's fun stuff to have, but that, that those are objects. It's not your culture. So take me back to when you're mapping out, well, I guess, was there a mapping out in the beginning of what you wanted your culture to be like, or did it just, evolve into something yeah it would definitely evolved and it still does um we knew so my my first we've got three partners um and uh the two of us kind of started together and then and then we picked up a straggler you know maybe a year or two after but when when the two of us started we we were working for a really cool sales company, but it was high pressure, kind of hardcore over the phone sales. And mm. we had an experience where uh, we were visiting in the hallway, uh, just about to kind of head into the sales floor. And it was this, you know, it was kind of this crazy floor. I mean, you walk in and it's like you've entered a whole new world of a bunch of guys on the phone drinking, mm -hmm. you know, Red Bulls. And yeah. Just as we were visiting in the hallway, one of the owners walked by and he, he said, hello. And we, we said hi back. And then he looked at his watch and kind of tapped on it. It was like, Hey guys, it's, it's, uh, you know, isn't it time to, to be kind of working, you know? And we were like, dude, what, what a, what a jerk. Like how stupid, <laughs> you know I mean? Like we were hard workers. I mean, it wasn't, we didn't need that. Yeah. And we think a lot that maybe was like, a good influencer for us. So when we started ours, we, we wanted um, to develop a situation where um, we really relied on people to do their job. And um, probably uh, at, at a lot of times to our detriment um, and, and to the anxiety and angst to people that we hire where we don't do a great job giving them directive um, there's a ton of flexibility in how they solve problems and do things. And what we've learned is like, that that's a, a really great aspect of our culture, but it, it comes with some issues in, in that some people don't operate well in, in that. 
environment. You know, they, they like to have some constraints in place. They like to be uh, managed in a way where they're, um, they clearly understand exactly uh, how things need to be done. Mm-hmm. And so one thing that we've had to learn is, you know, how, how do we kind of preserve that culture of allowing people to have autonomy and flexibility, but also clearly communicate what it is that they're supposed to be doing? Like, what what does it look like when they're successful? And, um, you know, how, how do you build in a level of management and accountability, but also kind of have uh, flexibility where where they know, like, you know, they they can get the job done the way that they need to get the job done and we'll support them in that. Yeah. So how did you solve that problem? Is it just an upfront conversation and the up, upfront training when you hire somebody um, of just letting them know like, Hey, these are the points you need to hit, but you can do it however way you want really. Yeah. But we just expect you to get this done and and however much time or how do you go about that? building in kind of um, a little bit more of a hierarchy in systems and and processes and uh, more of a routine where uh, that, um, you know, that's probably, you know, far more conducive. And and you kind of have to realize like within the company, you've got all these different little silos and they, they've got to work together and they've got to operate uh, and, in a way where there's good communication among them, but you also have to recognize that some of those functions can be done dramatically different. So our support and operations team, that um, isn't real conducive to the entrepreneurial, just go like figure it out, (laughs) you know, because a lot of stuff has to be done. It has to be done in a way and we've got to be consistent, um, you know, more than anything, super consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, you, you know, the, the poor folks that have, that have been in that department, um, over time and, and we've had some leave, um, because that's been a problem. Um, but mm. then, you know, that's really probably been one of the big advantages we've had on like the marketing and sales side of our business, um, where it mm-hmm. really allows for us to be nimble because, um, there's a lot of flexibility with the folks that are operating there. I'm just thinking of people who build a business with the idea that they want to sell it someday. They want to have all these systems in place to where it's repeatable. And, and I guess, is that a concern to you where your culture of, of having that flexibility, um, is that a concern? I guess, do you even want to sell your business is the question, right? Um, I think there are some disadvantages to, um, having a, a super entrepreneurial culture um, in a transaction, you know, like let's mm-hmm. say a, an acquisition by a private equity group. Um, yeah. and, and I've facilitated, you know, we've, we've started some other businesses that we have sold off before um, and have been through some transactions. Um, and, and we actually came close to maybe doing that a few years back with, with Vic Tig. Uh, and I'm really glad that we didn't do it. And and just a funny story, like they asked us for an organizational chart. And at the time, we definitely didn't have that. Oh, um, yeah. And so I, I had to come up with it. I'll, I'll, I'll find it and email it to you because it's yeah. absurd. 
Like what I put together <laughs> is easily the absolute worst organizational chart that's ever been put together. It was a disaster. <laughs> it was like all these circles that were like, it was like a, like somebody vomited on a Venn diagram. And oh, it was that's so terrible. awesome. Terrible. It's the worst. Um, so we've, we've taken a lot of steps to, to improve that, but still try and, and, and have that, that spark and that spunk, you know, that, that kind of a, a real entrepreneurial startup would have. Oh, that's really cool. So what advice would you give to somebody who's trying to improve their company's culture at this point? Maybe they're that call center who just bought a ping pong table, <laughs> but they want to actually be genuine um, with their, with their change in culture. What would you say to them? Well, my advice would be, you've got to define what it is that makes you authentic. Mm. And then you just have to be, you have to stick to it and just be consistent with it. And you have to realize mm. there are tons of awesome talent out there, like amazing folks that probably won't fit that culture. And that's okay. Mm. Yeah. You, know, you can, you can bring them on and you can be friends and try and give them a great experience. And then if you have to part ways, then part ways and that's okay. You know, um, that there's nothing wrong with that. What was it like when you hired your first employee of the company? You know, what's that's a great question because when we when we started hiring people, it was it was so hard mm. uh, because when you first start, I, I love thinking about Amazon um, because I I was an extreme early user of Amazon. I mean, mm. my dad, we had a computer in our house before like anybody else I knew. I, you know, I grew up in Montana, but I mean, like he, he was way ahead of the time. Um, we, we had a computer, we, we had our internet and I liked to read and I had an Amazon account. I bet in 1997, I'll bet you is when I, my, I first had my Amazon account. Mm. So I love thinking that I ordered books uh, that Jeff Bezos packaged and mailed to me. In fact, I would bet. Oh, that's I'd bet, cool. I'd bet money on it, you know, and I'm just a awesome. kid, but um, you know, and now look at them in, in you, you know, the entrepreneurial venture starts with you wearing so many different hats. Yeah. You know, and if you've got a partner, then then you kind of split up those hats a little bit. Um, but you you really have to um bootstrap that uh and and figure it out to begin with. Um and then if you start producing a little bit of profit, then you can start to reinvest in other people um to help the business grow. And those first I would say like five, six, seven hires for us were really hard because we didn't mm. know what is it, what is it I'm actually good at and what should I be giving up? Mm. And, um, and we really like, it's kind of maybe sounds silly, but we, we struggled with that um, deeply thinking like, crap, do we, do I, do I continue to do sales? And then we hire somebody to do this or do, do, do I not do sales? And we hire a salesperson and we, you know, or, 
do we continue to do operations and hand this off? Or what about the finance side? Or what about customer care? I mean, you could go in a million different directions. Um, and it, it, it is hard. Uh, it, the bigger that you get, the easier it is to to really see where you've got to, uh, you know, add human capital. Mm. I think early on, it's it's really hard to know like where's the the best investment. But having said that, I I really firmly believe that um, making no decision is the worst decision. So you mm. you know if you say you know I need help on the sales side and you just you go with it and you hire someone to help with sales. That's a way better move than like maybe it would have been better for you to do sales and you hand off mm. operations and support to someone or whatever that looks like. So it's more of a, a trial and error, figure it out as it evolves type of situation because you learn more about yourself and about how you operate and how your partner probably operates during those first few hires. Um, is that right? Just the trial and error part of it? Oh, certainly, definitely a big element of trial and error. But but also, it's um, it's just doing it. How did Victig come about? Because that's such a random background checks is not something that usually people would think about starting a company for. How did that come about? Yeah, we, my my partner and I were were working for this sales company, and we were for the most part, selling real estate coaching packages over the phone, like mm. trying people wanted to learn to invest in real estate. So they would attend like uh, some seminar about investing in real estate. And then we would contact them after they attended the seminar and say, Hey, you know, it looked like you were interested. We're looking to kind of work with a few people, um, with, you know, through a coaching program and would, would you be interested in paying for that? Um, and it just happened that one of the leads I got was the guy that was in the background check industry. And this was after nine mm. 11. And I thought, Oh, it's kind of a weird industry. And um, there were some aspects about the business that were appealing to me. Um, I, I was interested in trying to find something that was business to business. And I also wanted to try and do something that had a recurring revenue. Um, so you could sell an account and then it could produce income for you, you know, in perpetuity, as long as you could keep the, the customer happy. Hmm. So that really appealed to me. And I kept this guy's information and I would um, call him in the off time um, that I had and just would visit with him about the industry and how he was doing it and what his operations looked like and all sorts of stuff. And it turned out that he, he was a franchise owner with a company. Um, and so I just, how it started was I, I just went to the bank and said, Hey, I, there's an opportunity for me to buy a few of these franchises. Could I get a business loan? And, you know, this was kind of a different, kind of a different day, you know, but yeah than it is now, but they were like, sure, you know, I had this <laughs> terrible business plan and they gave me some money and, um, and off, off we kind of went with that. Um, and then ultimately the company got acquired, um, and that was not a good situation for the franchise owners. And so we, we ended up just, uh, leaving our customers with them that we had mm -hmm. built up for a little while and then just started our, 
uh, started our own company, um, and and we called it Victig, and and that's kind of where where it began. And that, but it was wild. Like I mean, when we when we got into it, they they didn't they didn't really train us. You know, like we we didn't have any idea what we were talking about. So we'd have to learn what what things meant, what like you know all the different laws we were dealing with, and it just you know absolutely everything we we learned on our own. That's such a wild thing to think about because usually I would think that when you buy into a franchise, they have enough systems in place to where it's a repeatable business. And you think that that would start with that training <laughs> for the people who bought the franchise. That's so interesting. That's awesome though. So what what was it like when you realized that the franchise wasn't going to work out? It sounded like it was external circumstances, obviously. Um what was the what was your mindset coming out of it yeah well that was a wild time because we had started uh another company with some partners uh, and for the most part we were pretty silent partners we had helped um we invested some money um and and helped kind of architect and develop the the software for it um mm. and uh, that company is is still around. It's called E Premium and and super successful. It's a it's a renter's insurance software platform. That's cool. Um, uh, really really fantastic company. Um, awesome people. D just still killing it. Um, and but we we had done that. Um, I was kind of finishing my MBA. We had an arrangement with the owners that they were going to uh, buy our franchises from us, and so at that point, we th we kind of thought we'll just go get regular jobs. Mm. Um, and, and actually, I, I you know I had this experience in the background screening world. Um, I knew how kind of the court systems worked and how you could access data and, and where there were some issues, um, particularly with how it interacted with the federal government. And uh, had a family friend who was an FBI agent and um, talked to him about it. And he said, hey, you know, there's some openings. Maybe maybe you'd be interested in working for the FBI. Mm. Uh, so I, I, I applied um, and went through kind of an interview process with them um, and uh, got the job. I didn't realize how much my legacy bank was taking advantage of me until I switched to SoFi Bank. That one decision that I made just simply switching banks has made it so all of my savings accounts, they don't have account minimums. And they also are earning 4.6 APY right now, which is higher than the national average inflation rate. They also have a zero fee investing platform that you can automize and just have everything, take yourself out of the equation, have your paycheck split into different categories by percentage or by a total sum. Doesn't matter. You can just, it's super user friendly. You can do it however you want. It's just a really easy and responsible way to upgrade your personal finances. They're super light on fees and very, very, very heavy on features. So go check out SoFi Bank if you want to switch. There's a link below to where you can get $25 in your new account. Um, I was like their number one pick which I was excited about because they were going to, I was just finishing my MBA if I remember right. And they were going to pay for it. Um, 
And oh, so that, wow. That was a big deal. That's a huge deal. Yeah. But um, when they made the offer, it was at a lower pay rate than what the advertised position was. Oh, no. Uh, and I was like, oh, I, I can't, you know, I, I can't do that. And, and then, you know, as things would have it, um, during that time, we realized that these, the owners of the franchise company, they, they were not going to buy us out. Um, oh, no. So that was problematic because we had some operating debt with a bank. Mm -hmm. uh, because in that process, we had made a few little acquisitions and uh, we had grown the business and it was doing, it was doing reasonably well. So we were in a, we were in a tough spot and we had some customers that we really cared about and we didn't feel like they were uh, being serviced very well. Um, they certainly wouldn't be if, you know, when, when we left and that kind of weighed on our um, conscience a little bit. And so um, we kind of quickly decided to pivot from that and, and, and I turned down the FBI thing and we ended up just starting our own screening company. Um, and when we did that, things just kind of fell into place quickly um, to kind of avoid any issues with post-termination covenants, um, even though like the situation with the franchise or was bizarre. Um, we still didn't want, you know, to get into a, any type of legal battle with them. And, and, and I don't think they did either. So we, we kind of came up with an arrangement where we would leave all of those customers with them and then we would just start over fresh. So we were going to compete, but we weren't going to solicit. Hmm. And luckily, a big, um, a big uh, customer of ours that we still have today, um, I had been soliciting for years with the franchise uh, business, just called and they said, hey, we're ready to sign up. Oh, man, that's perfect timing. Perfect. So I said, okay, I'm going to get on an airplane. I'll be there, you know, on, like this was like on a Wednesday, I'll be there on a Friday. And they're like, great. Perfect. So we, uh, it's, it's kind of a crazy story, but I mean, we didn't have a website. Like I, I called a buddy of mine up, um, who was a web developer. And I said, Hey, can you, can you set up a website for us? Um, and he's like, yeah, you know, I can do it in a few weeks. I'm like, no dude, I like, I need it tomorrow. Because, uh, of course, I waited until like Thursday afternoon to get a website built, you know, for the date that night. And I'm like, dude, I, 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 you know, I'm calling in a favor. I need some help. And, <laughs> and he did. He built us this like website that we ended up having for years. Um, and we needed a name, you know, and so my partner Brent and I were brainstorming and, and where the name came from was uh, I read about this crazy con artist whose mm. name was uh, Victor Lustig. Uh, oh, okay. He's a character. He, he got uh, famous because he actually sold the Eiffel tower twice in, in cons. Whoa. Um, and he conned Al Capone. Like he, he's just, He's fun to read about. If you've got some downtime, you know, check him out. But That's cool. the name is a, you know, is a a play on on his name. We took the first three letters of his first name and the last three of his last name, and we came up with Victig. And we um, 
and originally we had the Eiffel Tower in our logo as well, just as kind of <laughs> a tip of the hat to him. Yeah. Um, we've kind of modified the logo over the years, but um, yeah, like I got on the plane. Um, we had the website set up like that morning. We landed this big customer and I'm telling you, like we made just enough profit off of that first customer to be able to pay the note that we had with the bank from oh, man. our franchise operating uh, debt, um, which was a, just a crazy blessing. And then, you know, uh, we just kept grinding away from there. When you started Victig, I guess when you started your first franchise with background checks and your partner, how did that go about? Because at the beginning of something, you have the decision, do I want to start this myself or do I want to partner with somebody? When you first started a partner with your partner, what were the emotions that went about? Because I'm sure it's not hard for someone to, I mean, it's not easy to partner with someone that maybe you don't have experience in the first place doing business with. Yeah. Yeah. Partnerships are tough. Um, they, they really are. I've been fortunate because the, the partners I have are, are first of all, like tremendous people, you know, they're, they're um, great, great guys. Um, they're, they're very close friends of mine. Uh, there's a ton of trust between us. Um, and so like, you know, probably a lot like a marriage, you know, the, a, a business partnership, um, can, can be extremely challenging, but you've, you've got to partner with people that I think you can be honest and open with, mm. um, on a consistently regular basis. Um, you know, because there've been times where like I, my perspective and my ambitions don't necessarily align with theirs. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and so I may go off on some crazy tangent trying to do a whole bunch of crazy things that they're probably not even aware of. And, and then, you know, over the years, you know, I can think of times where I, I'd get frustrated and be like, what the hell, you know, like I'm doing everything. They're like, what are you talking about? Like, you know, we don't even know what you're doing what you're up to and, um, or what your goal was or why you're so ambitious about this. Um, and so if, if you can't be consistently brutally open with each other, then you're, you're, it's not going to work. Speaking of being brutally honest, it's super important to be honest with your expectations when hiring a real estate agent, but no one ever does it because it's so awkward to have those interview type questions with the realtor and then moving on and interviewing a few realtors to make sure you're getting the right one for you. No one ever does it because they don't want to deal with the awkward breakup phone calls with the agents that you didn't end up hiring. And so that's why for free, I will go out and interview the top three agents in your area and then keep your identity completely anonymous until you decide which one you like. It's completely free. You can click the link below to get started. Um, you know, I didn't wake up one day being passionate about background checks. Um, <laughs> And and I think that's a mistake to tell kids to do something that they're passionate about. I, th I think that's super mm -hmm. stupid. Um, what you should be saying is like, find something that you're good at 
and get really, really good at it. You know, mm. invest the time into being good at that. And then the passion will follow. So if, if for us, there was this great opportunity in our space and we put in a lot of time to get really good at what we were doing. And then we became pretty passionate about it. And, um, and I think that's, that kind of develops or, uh, gives us perspective on maybe what our game plan ought to be. That's, that's really insightful and a unique way to, to look at it. Cause I hear that a lot, do what you're passionate about, but yeah, I, mean, I how think is that like, what do you, yeah. I mean, I got, I got four kids, right? Yeah. It, it, yeah. Youngest is eight. If you went and asked him like, Hey buddy, what are you passionate about? <laughs> He's going to say baseball, Pokemon, you know, yeah. Uh, the new ninja course that opened up um it's like okay well then you know what do we take from that yeah maybe he'll yeah. he'll be a pro baseball player or something or some yeah. weird pokemon card trader but picking pokemon influencer <laughs> yeah, <something. laughs> yeah. but i just think it's stupid like it's it's poor advice to say you know you've got to be passionate about it and you really don't you you've got to mm -hmm. know how to work hard you've got to find something that you're good at um and and you can develop a passion for it after that a huge thank you to matt visser for being on the show and thank you for listening please like and subscribe as this is a brand spanking new channel so your likes and subscribes really make a difference Leave a review if you're listening to it on a podcast platform and I will continue to try to just improve this show as much as I possibly can. Thanks so much again. Hope you have a good one. We'll see you soon.